0: You don't know me if you're visiting. Uh, it's great to have you uh, with us. Uh, we're working through a series just now called uh, Rooted. Uh, which we're looking at the foundational priorities of the church. And we're looking this morning at prayer. So we've looked at preaching that takes God at his word, worship that turns our hearts towards Jesus. We're now over this side, back over this side, prayer that trusts in God's promises and provisions. So with that in mind, let's turn to the verse we attach to that foundational priority of our church family here, Jeremiah chapter 33. Um, Jeremiah chapter 3. Um, so we're going to get. I'm going to th- chat a little bit to help you find your way there via the index if necessary um, to help you locate that. Um, so really this series is about... Is about what the church is to be built upon. What are our foundational priorities? What are the most important things? I made a little cheat sheet, a little list of of things that the church is in big trouble if it is built upon, okay? Okay. Things the church is in big trouble if it's built upon. Number one, number one, the church is in big trouble if it's built upon. Um, yep, you guessed it, the pastor, okay, the pastor of the church. If the church is, the church is built upon, the pastor, uh, then um, the church is in big trouble. The second thing I've noted down, its own plans, okay, plans. So I've got pastor, I've got plan. I like things that start with the same letter, okay? So um, if you're new, you won't know that yet. If you've been around for a while, you totally know that, okay? Uh, a pastor, the plan, okay, having its own plans, okay? Plans where you get ahead of God. We really desperately want to avoid that. Um, Uh, Trying to be popular, that's the the third thing, okay? Popularity, okay? Courting popularity, doing things to be popular. Compromising on God's Word to make yourself popular. The church is in big trouble if it's doing that. Um, If the church is built upon programs, how many programs do you have? Do you run all these programs? Do you try to attract as many people in because you run all of these programs? Okay, well, if that's the only thing that's attracting people to your church, then um, it's not super healthy, it's in trouble if it's built upon those things. So we're, we're thinking about prayer this morning. We're thinking about these foundational priorities. These are the things. So the things we need to be built upon are the things we, we believe that the church needs to be built upon are the things that are on the wall of the church. Preaching and worship and prayer and evangelism and discipleship. Those are the things uh, the church is not in trouble. The, the church flourishes and grows as it's built upon those things. And so we, we think, we turn, we've thought about prayer. We've, thought about, so we've, talk, we've talked about preaching. We've talked about worship the last couple of weeks. And now we turn to think about prayer. And, and this much to say that if the church is not built on prayer, then it is pretending, <coughs> it is pretending to pursue the things of God, or at best proceeding while missing out on the power of God. If the church is not built on prayer, then it is pretending; it is only pretending to pursue the things of God, or, or at very best, is proceeding, is proceeding with it while missing out on the power of God. Um, so, so that's why, why we, we want to have that as a foundational priority. As a church over time, you maybe have been around and heard us talk about this. We talk about how everything starts with prayer. We want, we want as a church to, we, we believe as a church that everything should start with prayer. And that's that more than just something at the top of agenda or a list of activities. Okay, we're going to do this thing, but we're Christians, so we ought to pray first, probably. That's probably what we should do. It's not just the first thing that we do, it's that everything has, should be saturated. The, the, anything that we do, anything that the Lord does, anything that happens that is good and fruitful from our church is as a result of prayer. So everything starts with prayer. It's a recognition that unless prayer has laid the foundation of the things we do, then there is a certain futility about them. That's how important prayer is. I hope I'm reinforcing. The goal go this morning is to reinforce and to inspire you uh, and to excite you about praying to Jesus, praying, to, praying through the power of Jesus, praying through the name of Jesus to, to God. That's really what the desire in prayer is this morning desiring that the preaching is this morning. Prayer must lay the foundations of the things we do as a church. So, And what we want to see as we're working through these foundational priorities is that they're not separate from one another. They don't exist in isolation from one another. They are all connected. So we want to be encouraged to to, 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 we want to be encouraged to pay attention to God's word. We want to be encouraged to have our hearts directed towards Jesus because we have all kinds of messages which are bombarding us, all kinds of things that our, lives are oft, our hearts are often turned to instead of Jesus. And, 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 and now we want to think about how prayer invites us to trust our lives to God in a profound and deep way. So, preaching, worship, and prayer are all designed to remind us of the overwhelming sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything we are, and everything we have, and everything we need. You you trade in what you trust. You trade in what you trust. You belong to where you build your life. And and so, prayer, as we're going to think about it this morning, prayer is an opportunity To press into God. And and we need to see this. Any opportunity we have to press into God. The opportunity that God gives us to press into Him is a precious thing. So we want it to be a foundational priority for our church. That pride and presumption don't prevent us from pursuing. So God's invitation to pray to him, should incite us to press into him. That's really what we're going to think about. And that's what Jeremiah 33 directs us towards. I'm going to read verses 1 to 3 for us, uh, just to kind of set the scene. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time, while, while he was still shot up in the court of the guard. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And then the verse that we attach to verse 3, Call to me and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Let me pray and then we're going to think about these things together. Uh, Father, we're so thankful to you for what we've been able to sing. Father, we pray that as we, even as we turn to uh, consider the matter of prayer and what it means to have that active tangible relationship with you expressed in prayer, that those things are to be fueled by what your word says and the songs of worship that we offer to you. Father, we pray that even the songs, the words that we've sung to you this morning would remind us of the absolute capacity and capability, the entire sufficiency of the one whom we pray to. And that, that would cause us to humble ourselves before you in such a way as cause, causes us to do exactly what Jeremiah is, is encouraged to do, to, to call to you, to, to cry out to you, to pray to you, to be in communication and conversation with you in such a way as bears deep fruit in our lives. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've been around for a while, you know I like to occasionally tell a story about what a terrible father I am. And so uh, as our kids were growing up, during the night, they would, occasionally, they, would all, they would occasionally cry out, Dad! Dad! In the middle of the night, they'd wake up having had a bad dream. and would go, Dad! Dad! And I'd nudge Alison and say, hey, the kids are calling you. Um, do you understand? The kids are calling you. And Alison, and I can only imagine Alison getting out of bed out of this deep sleep. She stumbled downstairs and said, Hold on a minute. He was awake. He could have totally gone and helped them out. Why am I the one that's making this journey downstairs? But still, there's there's still that understanding when our kids woke up in the middle of the night that they could call out in the midst of their fear or in the midst of their sense of trouble. There's still that sense when one of our kids hurts themselves, they can still come and say, I've hurt myself, I've injured myself, can you help me? And in some ways that is a a picture of how our Heavenly Father... Wants us to come to him. Not like me. He's not like me. He's, he is the one who is actively. He comes and, and he responds to our cry for help, our call for help. That's what prayer is. So, so when we're talking about prayer that trusts in God's promises and provision, it's a prayer that trusts in God's, and promise, God's promises and provision expresses, first of all, my need for help. Okay, we've got a couple of things that prayer is about this morning. It's in your, if you, hopefully you got one of these little booklets on your way in. If you didn't get one of those, then put your hand up. One of our stewards will get one to you really quickly. I should have said that at the beginning. Um, But prayer that trusts in God's promises and provision expresses my need for help. That's what prayer ultimately is. It is a recognition that that I need God's intervention It's a cry for help often. It's a recognition of my lack of ability or my lack of capacity or my lack of resource for the situation or scenario or circumstances that I find myself in. I need God's intervention. I need help. It's a recognition of that. Alexander Alexander McLaren, a great old preacher, said this, Did any of you parents ever hear your child wake from sleep with some panic, fear, and shriek the mother's name? So even Alexander McLaren knew, don't call dad, okay? Um, Shriek the mother's name through the darkness was not that a more powerful appeal than all the words I depend upon it. the, The soul which cries aloud on God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, though it have no language but a cry, will never call in vain. If we call out to the Lord, if we call out to God the Father, the, Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, though there's no language but a cry, even if we can't find the words, even though it's just that stirring in our hearts, that groaning that Romans 8 calls it, there's a groaning that comes from us, even if it's just a cry out, God, help me, you will never call in vain, it will never be empty, it will never be wasted. Jeremiah 33, 3 acknowledges that what in many ways prayer is in its truest form. It was my most urgent request, call to me, call to me. The word call means to cry out, to, to summon, to bring. It's, it's the act of bringing God into it. It's bringing God into your situation. It's inviting him into it, it's urging him and begging him to come and step into the situation that you find yourself in. That's, that's what it describes, which which, which begs the question of it, what is it you most urgently, what is it you feel most urgently? If it's your most urgent request, what is it you feel most urgently? And, and when you feel something urgently, is God the one you take it to? Or is it something else? It says, call to me. do not call to yourself, it's not call to your resources, it's not call to your friend. It's call to God, it's call to me. What is it you feel most urgently? And when you feel this urgency in your life, and when you feel the urgency to to cry out, is God the one you cry out to? Is God the one you take it to, or is it somebody else? I think if we were were to take a straw poll, if we were to kind of get people in, you pass around the little booklets earlier on, if we were to put down here, here's all the stuff that's going on in my life. That's really what we're inviting you to do, is to inviting you to to ask for prayer for the stuff that's going on in your life. If you were to to do that, as you did that, we all recognize we've got stuff that's going on, whether busyness or stress or hardship or trial or however you would describe it. There's always something that occupies our thinking time. We always have stuff going on in our head. So so let me ask you, is the stuff that's going on in your head, the thing that's the burden your heart, the things that are going on inside you, the things that occupy your thinking time and feeling time, are those things you're taking to God or those things you're holding on to yourself and trying to work through on your own? Call to me says it doesn't, you, don't need to, you don't need to carry that by yourself. There's an invitation from God to Jeremiah and through his word to you and I today to take those things to God and to offer them to him. Or, 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 or maybe something else, consider the things you have complained about or gossiped about or criticized in the past week. Now, it's not hard to imagine that the urgency with which you likely shared those things would have been better served by composing a prayer out of your concerns rather than the ungodly consternation with which we are prone to, to communicate. We can bring everything, the things that trouble us, the things that burden us, the things that break, us, break our hearts, we can bring all of those things to the Lord. And, and so when, when Jeremiah 33 says, call to me, God is saying, I'm looking for interaction. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking to have a relationship with you. I'm looking to have a conversation with you. And he's inviting that promise. He's looking for you to be in conversation with him so that he can communicate all that he has for you. Call to me, he says. He stands ready to help you with whatever heavy thing is going on in your life right now. And it's an amazing thing that he would say, call to me. Call to me. He doesn't say, make an appointment or give my personal assistant a call. He's not saying that. He invites you to call out to him personally and presently. In relationship, right now, that's what he invites any one of us to do. We we get to call out to him. He's inviting that. He invites you to call out to him personally and presently. How, how easy it is for us to be complacent about something so mind-bogglingly awesome. That God, the creator of the universe, that's what verse 2 has just told us. We're going to come back to that in a minute. That God, the creator of the universe, would invite you to pray to him. That's awesome. The only th- That's an awesome thing that he would invite you. As awesome, there's two awesome, mind-boggling things, I think, in regards to this whole matter of prayer. Mind-bogglingly awesome thing number one is, or mind-bogglingly amazing thing number one is, that God would allow us to, and invite us to go and speak to him. Mind-bogglingly amazing thing number two is, less good, is that we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. That we wouldn't take advantage of the opportunity that the, that the awesome creator of the entire universe would, would invite us to, to come and to share the things that are going on in our small lives. Jesus made it that you can call upon God in prayer right now. And that He will hear you. Call to me. So let me ask you, if not God, in the past week, when things have been going wrong in your life and when things have been hard, who or what is it that your life is appealed to for those most apparent needs you have in your life? What is your God alternative that you effectively pray to for the help that you need? To quote the Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? Is it self-reliance? Is it some relationship, or is it something else? Or is it the holy God we just sang about? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing that God would give us that kind of access, that he would allow prayer as a means to approach him. Prayer prayer is the definition of your relationship with God being made personal. It's the definition of your relationship with God made personal. It's is being in conversation with, with with him. Can you really say you have a relationship with someone you don't talk to or have never had a conversation with? God invites you to a closeness and a consistency on, a, on a, not just a daily basis, but a regular. The encouragement is to be praying continually, to be constantly in prayer, to be regularly and frequently in in every circumstance, coming to him in prayer. That's the invitation. That's the kind of relationship God is seeking here. He's, he's, he's inviting you to seek him in prayer. He invites you to approach the throne of God, to find mercy and grace, to help you in your time of need. That's what Hebrews tells us. So we approach, we approach the throne of God some, things, th- things, some verses just to, to give us some context for what that looks like and how that comes about and what the Bible teaches us about the, the, the basis upon which that happens, which are going to be up on the screen. We approach the throne of God, first of all, following the example of Jesus. Jesus prayed. Yeah, we, we know that. No, no, no. Jesus prayed. He Saw the deep need of being in conversation with his heavenly father. Jesus. God the Son prayed. Is there a reason that you think you don't? Or is there a reason why you might get be too busy to do that? Look, look what it says in, in Mark 1:35. And by the way, this is one example of 20 odd examples across the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Of Jesus doing that, Jesus prayed and and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed, rising very early in the morning. Why? Because he knew he would get peace and quiet to have conversation with God. He knew that if he only got up early in the morning, somebody else would be up and distracting him very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, alone with God. We all need alone time with God. That's what you, I, I need alone time with God. If Jesus felt it necessary for his soul, I would do well to not neglect it for mine. That's what I just noted down for that. So following, so we approach the throne of God following the example of Jesus. We approach the throne of God through the blood of Jesus. See, this prayer thing is circled. Is centered on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Following the example of Jesus through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19-21 says this. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. In the midst of all the stuff we have, in the midst of our most urgent requests, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in our lives, some of the things we are most prone to lack are, 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 are described in here. We are prone to lack confidence. We are prone to lack assurance. Not sure how it's going to work. Not sure how we're going to be able to cope with it. Hebrews 10, 90 to, 90 to 21 says that God wants to use prayer. You're approaching the throne of grace, approaching the throne to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, that sense of drawing close to God and being in that tangible relationship with Him. God wants to use prayer to overwhelm your concern and anxiety with confidence and assurance. More, this suggests that the only source of true assurance, in fact, it says to us that the only source of true assurance is the acceptance that you get from what Jesus did for you on the cross. The, the, the way we get access to God in prayer is because Jesus died on a cross in our place for our sins in order, to help, in order to allow us to have that relationship with God in the first place. And if we don't have that, then we have no assurance. But when we have that, we have the confidence and assurance of a tangible relationship with God, which is the capacity and capability to help us through anything. So we approach the throne of God following the example of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, and then finally in the name of Jesus. Just in case you wonder why we say in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of our, and often at the end of when we're praying. In Jesus' name, we pray in Jesus' name. It's a tangible reminder. John 14, 13 to 14. John 14, 13 to 14 says this, whatever you ask in my name, this is Jesus speaking, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The, the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. There's something important to note here. When we understand that we get to pray because of the price Jesus paid for us and pray in the name that our adoption by Jesus has given us, we understand that the defining characteristic of what we desire has to be changed. So our most urgent request changes when we understand that we are adopted because of Jesus and, the price, and we are accepted because of Jesus. The defining characteristic of what we desire is changed. True prayer happens when my urgent request centers more, centers more on Jesus' name being glorified than my need. My, my longing is deepened beyond what I can get from God. My longing is deepened beyond what I can get from God to the glory that God might receive from me. That's what, that's, what true, that's what true prayer is. It's seeking things that are less about my need and more about Jesus' name, less about what I get and more about God's glory. That's what true prayer is about. Is that God would be growing within me, praying first of all that God would be growing in me the things that are in keeping with the name and the glory that I'm called now to live for because of Jesus. If you're anything like me, your prayer too readily focuses on your idols. Expressing to God a desire for success, material comfort, Personal gain, relational wholeness. Our prayer to, my prayer too readily, our prayer too readily focuses on our idols rather than our identity in Jesus. Praying for God to be sanctifying us, to experience His mercy, to be growing in personal holiness. We, the, the prayer is designed to give us such a glimpse of God it's designed to be prayed in, with such a view of God that success and material comfort and personal gain are nothing, nothing, nothing in comparison to his being sanctified growing in our walk with Jesus experiencing the mercy of God for our situation and growing in personal holiness through those things How would our perspective on our hard situations change if we learned to pray that God would teach us and grow us through that rather than just having that taken away? Supposing we ask God to have his way in us through those situations, how would that change our perspective on what we're going through? See, prayer is designed to change us. We like the idea that prayer changes things to our advantage But I think the Bible is clear that prayer is designed to change us as God grows us in our capacity to pray according to our Christ-given identity in pursuit of God-glorifying priorities. Call to me, God says. Call to me. We do that following the example of Jesus through the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Prayer is my most urgent request. It doesn't just stop there. It's prayer is my most urgent request, meeting God's willingness to respond. Prayer is my most urgent request, meeting God's willingness to respond. God is willing to respond. Call to me. What does it say? And I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. That that being the case, that being the case, understanding that God himself invites us and more than that, he promises he will answer us. What's stopping us? What's stopping me from being persistently and presently in prayer? What's stopping you from praying? Remember those two mind-blowing things. God hears me when I pray. Then knowing that I would choose not to pray. Look at what God says he will do. Actually, before we do that, before we consider what it means that God says he will answer us, let's pause for a moment and look at the context to see who it is that we are being invited by and invited to. We're invited by God to God. We're invited by God to approach him. So we're invited by God to God who has just said, look in verse 2, Thus says the Lord, So He's the Lord. He's over everything. He is supreme and He is sovereign. He reigns. Thus says the Lord and how many times does the Lord feature? Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name. Short verse, three times the word Lord is used. God is trying to communicate something about His reign and His rule that we need to pay attention to as we draw near to Him in prayer. Thus says the Lord who did what? Who made the earth. The Lord who formed it to establish it. Establish it. Everything has been made by him. All things belong to him. You and the situation and circumstance you find yourself in are part of his creation. And the Lord is his name. He reigns and rules over all of it. That's who we get to pray to. The one who is willing to respond to your prayer is the one who holds the whole world together. What we don't see that is that what, what we don't see is that in the chapter before, this is the kind of language that Jeremiah has just used, and the clarity that Je- Jeremiah has just been given by God. Jeremiah 32, verse 17. If you're there and you want to flick back, you can look at that. Jeremiah 32, 17 says this Ah, Lord God. It is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. God is saying, yes, you're right to pray pray to me like that. You've got it right. So he's inviting us, those of us, when we understand who God is, he invites us to pray. Jeremiah gets that he prays to God who made everything, and God is affirming that and underlining that and confirming that in verse 2 of chapter 33. Jeremiah gets it, he prays to God who made everything, which means that nothing is too hard for him. And you're maybe looking at your situation and say, I'm not sure I can bring that to God. Nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. God is kind enough to confirm and underline that reality for us right here. That whatever you're facing, God is greater. Whatever is hard for you, God has a capacity and a capability to deal with that. This is God who invites you to call upon Him and then insist that He will answer you. And it's not the first time you said this in Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah twenty-nine, verse twelve. It's up on the screen for you again, I think. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Is it when we understand who God is? We understand that my need for help is answered in him and my chief need is satisfied in my closeness to him and that's what prayer allows me to embrace. God is inviting us to pray in such a way that expresses free trust in his promises and provision. His promises are true and he provides for our best and he he invites us to get in on all of that. You can get in on all of these things through prayer. He's willing to answer. God is willing to answer. God is always at work. We're maybe familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Our Father who art in heaven, we still speak. If you grew up singing in primary school, you still slightly sneak into the King James Version language of that. But when Jesus, so we, 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 maybe know, we maybe know the prayer gives us our daily bread, forgives our debts as we forgive those forgive our debtors. He does not into temptation, but delivers from the evil one. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he got to the outcome, outcome part. Doesn't it encourage me to pray, my will be done. Doesn't it encourage me to pray to God, my will be done. Or God, your will be changed. It's that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the focus. That's the basis of our prayer. We too readily approach prayer as uh, wishing well. My will be done. Or a debating chamber. God, your will be changed. Rather than having the heart attitude that longs to see God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what comes from a proper perspective on who we pray to. What he has planned for me in faith is better than what might please my flesh. What he has planned for you in faith is better than what might please your flesh. His purpose for you is transforming you in righteousness, not what makes, your, makes life easy for you right now. His purpose for you is transforming you in righteousness, not what makes life easy for you right now. He's a goal and objective for everything in your life and prayer allows you to engage with that and embark on that journey with him. Prayer is, so when we see, call to me and I will answer, we see that prayer is the miracle of conversation with God, it is the mercy of closeness to God, and a means of communication with God by which we are molded by God. And yet we appear so reluctant to make the most of the opportunity to meet with God. So prayer is to recognize that I need His help, and also to acknowledge not just my need for His help, but also my need for His wisdom. So we move beyond the kindness of His answering to the content of His answer. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Prayer is one of the ways that God in His grace meets us in our greatest need, speaks to us in our struggle and comforts us in our confusion. If we're honest, we understand we are often only one step away from our one ungodly decision away from our world being turned upside down. At least that's how it can often feel. We feel so vulnerable and fragile. And, and that's where the, con- the, the concern and anxiety wells up within our lives. And, and, God, and that's where the confidence and assurance of God is designed to flood in. And we, we look at this and say, well, it's okay for Jeremiah to pray this thing. It's okay. Jeremiah had it down. Jeremiah had it going on. And we look at the, the guys who are praying in the Bible, the people who are praying in the Bible, and say, well, they've got all that worked out. It's easy for them. Well, Really? God is speaking in the midst of some pretty hard things that are going on around about Jeremiah at that particular moment. He'd been sent to the people of Israel to say with a message that judgment is coming. He, he was to go and tell them, you can, the time for repentance has passed. You're too late for that. Salvation is coming, but it's going to be on the other side of a really tough season of discipline for you as a nation. As this has been written, the city of Jerusalem is being besieged by the Babylonians. And he's locked up in prison. That's what verse 1 tells us. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. While he was sitting in the garden reading some books. No, while he was still shot up in the court of the guard. He was in prison. He was agonizing over the spiritual climate and the cost of sin in the nation. He was pained by his calling, devastated by the circumstances that had brought about his message in the first place and that were being lived out right there in the midst of his message his world was a mess. The world around him was a mess. The struggle was real, as we might be prone to say. I mean, and, and so the need for wisdom, the need for God to speak into that, is exactly, is exactly the same for Jeremiah as it is for you and I. The need for that close communication, that close conversation, that real relationship with God was as real for Jeremiah as it is for you and me. It's helpful in, in these things. It's important to recognise as we think about prayer to acknowledge my need for God's wisdom. And that in my hardest struggle. In my hardest struggle. That's what Jeremiah was going through. He's going through this awfully hard struggle. And in my hardest struggle, and prayer is part of God's design for speaking into the silence and uncertainty of your life. And that's often our hardest struggle, not knowing the, the not knowing or the lack of clarity. That's why we long to encourage in our church family prayer the trust in God's promises and provision, that He knows best and He will do best for us. As our greatest confidence can come from what we know about God because of what God has shown us of Himself. Corey Tenboom, who knew. A fair bit of struggling. For those of you who don't know, she, 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 was, uh, she was imprisoned in a, concentra- in, a, in a Nazi concentration camp during World War II and lost family members and had a terrible time there. And she, But she was able to write this, even in the midst of those circumstances, because of the closeness that God gave her with him in prayer. She said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Isn't that so helpful? Isn't that so helpful? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. There's a, the uncertainty and the silence, is the thing that plagues us and pro- troubles us deepest of all. And that he, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Call to me and I will answer you. God is telling us in Jeremiah 33:3 that He will answer us, and that part of that will be to tell us some things. He will tell us some things. The word tell means to make known or to make conspicuous, to expose or publish something. Is that even in the midst of those situations, God has something to say to you. He is not silent. He has something great that he is looking to achieve in your life. It just might not be your plan. It might just not be your way or timing of doing things. His, the things that he's looking to achieve in your life are more to do with the things of saving you from your sin. Setting you apart for his purposes, preparing you for eternity. Those are the things that he is getting you ready for. Those are the, that's the deeper work that he's looking to do in your life. And he uses prayer as a key part of that process. Sometimes, sometimes he may seem barely audible to you in the midst of your pain. whispering that encourages you to lean in that little bit closer, doesn't it? Somebody speaking softly and quietly there's an invitation for you to lean closer, to lean in to him and that's what God is inviting you to do. Sometimes He may seem barely audible to you in the midst of your pain but that's an invitation to lean in and listen more closely to him. God invites us to lean in closer to hear, because we need help in learning to hunger for God and long for him and and hold on to him. Call to me, and I will answer, and I will tell you. Now, the thing about telling is it involves us listening, and often we think of prayer as a one-way thing. And our prayers are so often a monologue, and as I was writing this down, I just wrote down the curse of being a in a preacher's family because one thing a preacher likes is a monologue, and I can talk long, and hopefully not boringly later now, but I, you know, I can go on. And and the the, the curse of being in a preacher's family is you have to listen to me a lot, maybe. And we can be like that in our prayers. Our prayers can become a monologue to God rather than being a relationship thing. We are the one, we're talking, but we're not conversing. Conversing is a back and forth. And and in some ways, it's the idea that we grow up thinking, well, we're going to say our prayers before we go to bed at night. Is that saying our prayers is not the totality of praying. Many times it is not that God is quiet, but rather that we won't quit talking or controlling or dictating to Him long enough to listen to His life-giving words to us. He wants to speak to us. He wants to be in conversation with us in prayer. We have a problem when we go to the Lord with a list without a willingness to, to then listen. To be aware of how He would be changing us in the act of prayer and in the time of prayer. God invites us not just to be a people who are calling out, but also a people who are leaning in. Call to me so that I will tell you. That's why we, as a church, we want to talk so clearly about praying with our hearts open but also our Bibles open. We we want to encourage you to be praying God's word. Praying God's word. So, You say, well, I don't even know where to start with this prayer thing. Well, Start with God's Word and open that up and even spend some time looking, okay, how did people in the Bible pray? Go into the New Testament and look at how somebody like Paul prayed and and, and then all of a sudden you start to see, well, that's changing my priorities and the things that are important to me. It's changing how my perspective and how I'm viewing what, what's going on in my life just now. And it's giving me fuel for praying, pray, prayers of praise to God. And it's giving, telling me how to pray into the situations and the relationships that I have. And it's, and it's revealing things to me about the, the sin in my life. And all of a sudden we have a back and forth as God speaks to us through his word as we bring those things to him in prayer. So, you know, well, where do I start? But understanding who God is well, and, and praying to Him. Well, why don't you put on? There's lots of really great worship resources you can. Why don't you put some worship music on and, and, think, and, and sing a song to God? I, I can't really sing. Well, yes, you can in your own way, and that's okay. Or even just to, to read it as a piece of poetry and, and, and to actually take from that the, the attributes of God. that, we, that you know, Even some of this, the, the songs we sing here, this is where worship and prayer come together. To so preach God's word and the worship of God and prayer. All, all Use all of those things, whatever you can, to get close to God and to be expressing to him th- something of what you believe about him and how you feel about him and how you want to be changed by him. praying with hearts and Bibles open, who God is and what God says and how God would change you. Those things are so important because you just long, whatever it takes to get close to God, whatever it takes to get you into that conversation with God where you tell you, you cry out to him with the things that are going on in your life and you hear from him about how he is powerful enough and his promises are true and his provision is real. investing yourself in that place, you say well i 'm not sure I know how to start. Find a way to make a start on that and, 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 and put yourself in places where you can hear other people praying so you can learn how to pray it's an amazing thing you know when you think about the, 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 how the disciples spent time with Jesus, they followed him around for three years, and, and, and the thing that they asked them to teach him to teach the thing that they asked Jesus to teach them was. It wasn't any of the, the cool miracle stuff. It was the prayer thing. Lord, teach us to pray. So put yourself in the place. Look at how Jesus prayed. We've already seen it was a priority for him. Look at how the, the Bible teaches us to pray. Come along to the prayer things we've got going on in the church and sit, and, sit in a circle and sit in a group with, and, and sit alongside people who are praying so you can hear how they would pray. One of the, I think one of the things that, one of the lies that aff- affects the church is the, the idea that you can't go to the prayer meeting until you've figured out the whole prayer thing. Quick ha- show of hands, how many of you feel as if you figured out the whole prayer thing? So we all need to get to the prayer meeting so we can figure that out together. That's the goal. Because it's an awesome thing to be in that place of closeness to God. Thomas Brooks The the Puritan said this, communion with God makes better things sweet and massive things light. That's what prayer does. Communion with God, praying with God, being in that conversation with Him and that relationship with Him. Communion with God makes better things sweet and massive things light. That's what prayer does. Prayer invites us to trust in His promises and provision, to believe with confidence the truth that, that He sees what I don't. He sees what I don't. In my hardest struggle, he sees what I don't. That's an important treasure for anyone of us looking to grow in prayer. He sees what I don't. I'll tell you great and hidden things you have not known. Or to put it another way, he is God and I am not. God tells Jeremiah here that he will not just tell him great things but also hidden things. These are things that you have not known and by implication will not know until we call out to him and have him tell us or show us. Hidden things. He's going to use your situation and your prayerful response to that to show you things you, you wouldn't have seen if they hadn't been your experience. God is going to use you being moved to prayer in response to your present situations to reveal things that will prove his promises and be a proven ground of his provision for you. Prayer is in many ways God letting us in in the secrets of his sovereignty. It's us learning to confidently trust our lives to his tender control. There's something awesome about this. God is telling us that there are some things we will only find out, find out when we call out to him in prayer. God is inviting us to see prayer as an adventure of engaging with Him. When did you last think of prayer as an adventure? When were you last excited about the prospect of being with God in prayer? Because it's meant to be. That's what it's meant to be. That's what we see here in Jeremiah 33. 3. It's an adventure. It's exciting. It's an adventure of engaging with Him in such a way as enables us to see our life and the world and His will way more clearly than we ever could when we are prayerless. Do you see how exciting having a loving relationship with God is? Do you see how amazing the thing that Jesus did for you to get you access to God the Father is? So our motivation for prayer should simply be be this. Our motivation for prayer should, should simply be this. I get to talk to God. I get to talk to God. That should be enough for us. And getting to talk to God is such an important thing that I will do anything to make sure that I spend time with him in that way as often as I possibly can, even if it involves getting up like Jesus did very early to do so. I get to talk to God. He sees what you don't. Prayer is designed to encourage you to place your life in his hands, your hope, in his promises, your peace, in his presence, your weakness, and his worth. God is inviting you through prayer to place yourself somewhere that allows you to see him doing far more abundantly than all we ask or think. It's an invitation toward faith that allows God to show his faithfulness. It's an encouragement to live a life defined by things that can only be explained by what God has done in response to the prayers of his people. That's the kind of church we long to be. A praying church clinging to the promises of God and experiencing the provision of God in pursuit of the purposes of God by the power of God. And this is telling us God has reserved some things that you will not know unless you pray. That's the implication of what we see here. It's so tied to the idea of calling out to him and him showing us and telling us those hidden things, those great and hidden things. Don't you want to invest yourself? Don't you long to invest your life in finding out what God would do when, you, when we together pray to him? When we planted the church, our part of our desire was that this local church would would be an adventure of looking for God to do something that that was way beyond ourselves. And so we, as a church, we want to invite people to gather around about prayer. And so we're thinking, well, how do I get started? Well, we want you to encourage you to start start getting together with God by yourself. We've given you some pattern for that, even just in that listening to worship music, opening the Bible, opening your heart and crying out to God using the pattern of prayer we see in the Bible but as a church we want to encourage you to come and join in with that as well come and sit in a room with other people who are longing to, to experience God in prayer and we have tried to make it as easy as possible we've got a weekly thing weekly pre-service prayer we gather in the Whitefield Hall where we do tea and coffee to pray together before the service asking for the Lord's hand to be on all of this first Friday night of the month we have monthly prayer nights so it's a great opportunity for you to get that into your diary Monthly prayer nights, it would be an amazing thing if our whole church could gather to pray in that way. And then twice a year we have prayer weeks where we, because we want to take time and, 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 and stretch ourselves in prayer in that way. That is our invitation to get involved in. This, this. Prayer is our invitation to get involved in something God himself invites you to invest in. These events, these prayer events are our invitation as a church to involve yourself in those things as well. Call to him. Call to him and he will answer. And he will change you in ways through prayer that will make you eternally thankful. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we get to talk to you. And right now with our heads bowed in prayer and our hearts bowed before you, we want to ask your forgiveness for the times when, or for how little benefit we seem to see in prayer, how little attention we seem to give to prayer, how prone we are to prayerlessness rather than prayerfulness. how our prayerlessness points towards a, some form of neglect of our relationship with you. And so, Father, we pray that you would call us in these moments to long to pray, long to talk, long to be in communion with you Then that deeper, ongoing relationship that we are invited into by you who calls says to us to call to you, and he, you will answer. Father, we pray you make us a praying people as a church, but you would make us praying people in our own right as well, that you would help us to long to be close to you. We get to talk to God. What an amazing thing that is for us, help us to grasp that reality we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.